Welcome to another episode of Something Came From Baltimore. I'm your host, Tom Galker, and tonight I am able to check off one of my music idols off my bucket list. Tonight I'm speaking to Orrin Evans. Orrin Evans was Grammy Award nominated in 2019. He's worked with Sean Jones, The Bad Plus, and he's also had some really cool albums like this one. The record is called The Intangible Between, and you're going to have to listen to the interview to find out what that's all about. He's back with the Captain Black Big Band. I'm calling this album House Party for the Soul. Oren's on the road. He's doing some errands while he's chatting with us, but he's also veering down to Baltimore on June 27th at Andy's Music House, where he's working with Sean Jones for a live stream concert. So you want to check that out before we get into that interview. Let's take a sample of that too. Evans, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Welcome, thank you. I don't know if you remember me at all because we're talking about 16 years ago. <laughs> Is that I looked at it, I was like, I remember you on the top floor of uh, the World Cafe Live. And you used to play, I think, on Monday. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, oh, you hung up. Man, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're back. We're back. We're okay. So... I, I used to work at uh, uh, the station, WXPN, and then I was assigned to working at Live at the World Cafe, the CD, like I was in charge of all the CD production and sending them out to people. It was a part-time gig, but I was off on the day that you would normally play, so I made it that I worked and I was just able to get off and take a listen to you, and um, it was weird because there was always like a group of like elders, like kind of sitting, you know, in a, in a, they were always dressed up and they were close to you and you would turn over and kind of talk to them between the set. Who were those people? Do you remember? It was a long time ago. No, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, there were, it depends, it had to be Miss um, Gertrude who, around that time, we had just lost my mother and so all of her friends would still come out and support um, and they've been in my life. I mean, Miss Gertrude is probably 80 now so um they're all that's like that's family that's family i mean it's like my second mother i would tell people i said i i, I you guys don't realize that orion evans is playing for free at, at live at the world cafe you need to go up there i was trying to bring a crowd for you the one thing about that that upstairs thing i don't think they figured out what they wanted to be they wanted to be high end but their food wasn't good and I, I don't know about the location, but I mean it, it survived, so it's uh, it's yeah. great. You know, they, they whatever they tried to, to figure out, they figured it out later. I remember. It's, yeah, you know, I mean, it, they do they do their their way. It's, it's, I haven't been there in so long. I've I've picked up and moved on too. I went down to Baltimore and started having a radio show, so I, I can't complain. 
Not I, at all. I remember that you did a lot of ragtime. Like you were kind of doing a lot of stroll, a lot of ragtime back then. I don't know if that you even remember. I mean, I was doing different things. Uh, basically, we, we were, that trio and I were working on a whole bunch of different projects. So, and, and I had just started the big band that year. So we, we were basically just trying new things all the time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You can do anything. The, uh, the, uh, when I set up this interview, I didn't listen to your album yet. So I needed a little more time. And I listened to, uh, the new album, The Intangible Between. And my first thought it was like, it was very loose. And more, like I said, it was like a party style, Mardi Gras style to the album. And then I let, read a little press where um, that was the kind of vibe that you were trying to create. Uh, how did you set up your uh, or album? I'm sorry. Um, I didn't, you know, honestly, I didn't set it up any differently than than any of my earlier records. It's just that this time everyone else got it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's pretty much how I've always set up most of my record dates. But meaning come on to the studio, let's have a good time. People act like there's something special. People, when people will say, oh, yeah, we just, the kids came out. And the kids, no, I mean, that's what it should be, in my opinion. That, that, that's, it should be a party. And that's pretty much what I did with this, this, this record. I just said, um, you know, everyone knew the music. Could be, actually, that's not even true, because there was a lot of new music on this record. But they knew the vibe. They knew the energy. They knew the family. You know, and even Eric Revis was like, you know, I had some frequent flyer miles. I was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, come play on this tune. So, you know, it was just friends getting together and, and playing music. But, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think that's how it should always sound. <laughs> that's what, that's the, all I'm trying to get. And, and I don't mean musically like, you know, everyone's record should sound like mine but everyone the spirit that we were going through I mean, and, and going for you know I want it to happen as long as everyone can you know ex- execute the music <laughs> you know and we're having a good time that's what I think all records should be like all genres all music but I mean so many times we walk into the studio we're stressed out you know can you hold on for one second in the sound of the album and then I wrote as like uh, why don't people do that all the time like after a couple listens I was listening to it yesterday when I was working out I said okay this album to me is like a house party for the soul you mentioned the house party it's a, a it's a, a it's a celebration of community friendship and positive energy and then you respect some people who have passed from your inner circle it feels like it's a it's a political statement, but done in a uh, a positive vibe way. I think this album does. If that's what it is to you, I'm not sure what the political statement might be. Um, except, well, of course, a 
Okay, forgot. I forgot we had that poem on there. <laughs> I totally forgot about the poem. So. Well, I mean, the political statement is that love is a need today, more than ever. And, and now we're in the COVID world, which I know you didn't plan it, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't a part of your whole mission of the album coming out. But, you know, community is important. Community, friendship, right. uh, you know, um, creating re, uh, communication and bonds and community, like other than your friends, like your the community itself is, is more important than ever. So, it, exactly. Uh, yeah, it just kind of, your album is political because it addresses all those issues, even when it wasn't supposed to be, I guess. <laughs> right. No, no, I, I, feel, I hear you on that. I hear you. So Hayden took over the door, and he, he let his boys confusion, bigotry, anger, animosity, all in Do whatever they want. <laughs> and that's what they doing, you see. I know. And, and hey, no, if I get in there and spread a little bit of me around, it will wake up you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because I needed that. I was good. And uh, I am such a big fan of the, the trumpet player Roy Hargrove, and I know that you're you kind of did a, 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 a tribute to him. But you know, he passed away November second, twenty eighteen, and I remember the day it went. I you know I went on Facebook, I went on Twitter, but in, in my mind, he is such a force to be reckoned with, and I don't really feel that the whole world like mourned properly on him. Like I, he's he's done so much in the music world in such a short period of time. What's your thoughts about, you know, his passing and his, his career? Well, I think I think the world mourned him and continues to in a proper way based on the way that he lived his life. Meaning, yeah, there may be a dip. I don't, I, I don't think it's, put it like this, Terrence Blanchard, who's done the music to, to every Hollywood score, blah, 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 blah. I think it would be equivalent to the same as Terrence Blanchard passing. You know, you get you get a, a, a benefit. I mean, I'm sorry, a tribute to you at Disney's, which is you know, or at Jazz at Lincoln Center, not not even Disney's, but at Jazz at Lincoln Center, and then you go into Disney's. And when I say the way he lived his life, we we chose this music, and we chose to play this music that they call jazz, and with that. You don't get you don't get the you might not get the front cover of Life or Time magazine, <laughs> but you will at some point get a, a, the cover of some of the periodicals that that represent this music, and everyone associated with that, you know, I think they were there and they mourned them in, in a proper way. Um, I mean, we think the music is a little bigger than. And it should be, honestly, it should be, you know, but the days of, I don't know, I, I wonder now, even as I say this, who would be the Miles Davis type funeral now? Like, who would that be? And, and, and then that would probably be Wynton, you know, that was, that was maybe the only one. But other than that, uh, just like the intangible between the record date, um, other than that, you're going to have 
services that that are based on the life that you led around the, the people that you led it around. And and I think that is exactly what happened. I mean, for for months and even now, people still post things about Roy and continue to. And and the tribute that they did for him at Jazz at Lincoln Center was was beautiful. I mean, from everybody up into Common and Erica Badu, the people who you know on that scene that he knew and contributed music for. You know, it would be great. You know, to be honest, like if we saw a Miles Davis type funeral for all of us, but the music isn't being promoted that way. And and but to be honest, what what he did get and, and what I hope to continue for everyone that um makes that journey is is, is I hope their trip home is as uh, beautiful and bountiful as, as, as Roy's was, honestly. Well that's good to know. I mean I I'll be honest, I did a couple posts, I looked at uh things I you know, started going through his album collection, and and I felt like I did my own personal thing. I just I didn't know that right. that you know the rest of the world was doing anything. It's kind of weird. Like when Natalie Cole died, like to me she's a superstar, and I think the world can stop. So, and I was like, oh, the world kept on moving. And the same with like Roy. I was like, <laughs> the world needs to stop, take a breath, and and keep on going. Like Natalie Cole died. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like like people should stop. You know so. It's kind of yeah, like but you want them. The, the, the thing is, you want them. You want them to. You want them to stop, but you also want them to keep on going. And, and outside of music, outside of music, we always remember Martin Luther King's birthday. We we always we celebrate it. Um, we, we we I know Miles. I hope that everybody else does. I know Miles Davis's birthday, and we, we talk about it. You know, but an icon. His birthday was yesterday, and maybe because of what we're going through with the riots, no one mentioned, I, at least, now here I, here I go sounding like you. Prince. At least in my world, I didn't see any tribute to Prince yesterday or any acknowledgement of his birthday. You know, so the, the point is not the big hoopla on the day of or, or, or right after. It's can we continue to to hold that person in the light and, and show that person tribute so that the next generation the next coming up trumpet player, don't forget who Roy is. If that That's what's more important. I mean, I hear you. It would be great if the world, well, I don't know if I want it to stop, but no. I would like it to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Acknowledge everyone. No, I would just, no, they don't have to stop. I'm like, stop, acknowledge, move on. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> they want. They keep going, yeah. yeah. Now, no, uh, I hear you. I'm not familiar with uh, Lawrence Leathers. He was mentioned also for this song. Uh, uh, I'm so glad to know you. But uh, it, it sounded like a really violent, painful way of heading out. And he uh, he played with uh, Mulgrew Miller, and I just interviewed Richie Goods. And I don't know if they worked at the same time together, but Richie was with them for a long time. But uh, two two people that that you uh, you loved, and it, it really comes out in the song. So uh, it's really pretty. Oh well, you know, I'm not sure Lawrence played with Mulgrew. It was on his bio, but. His bio was oh, he so probably had a, a one or two gigs, but his main his main gig was with Andrew Dill, and oh, I'm sorry, this is the uh, hospital. Hold on, me. Okay, go ahead.
Yeah. Things are good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Okay, so uh, the beginning of I'm So Glad to Know You, there's just a couple notes, and, and I maybe... Oh, know. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I, I forgot to tell you, because I didn't finish that. He oh, played yeah. with Andrew Deal. I'm sorry, he played with um, Aaron Deal and Cecile. Uh, Cecile, those were his main gigs. That's where I've, I've always known, and uh, Lauren playing with... Uh, but we all put names on bios. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, young guy, young guy. Uh, uh, it's unfortunate. It's definitely. I'm so glad to know you. Just the couple of bars at the beginning. I'm, I'm thinking of a God only knows on the piano. Am I am I close? That's actually a great reference, and and that wasn't that wasn't where I was coming from. But that's a great reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. The, the song came to me before Lawrence passed away. Actually. Uh, I was on a. It's just the uh, first couple of notes that you played. I was like, oh, he. It's just kind hey, of a, and, and that's that's great. I mean, that's a great weapon. But actually, it was just a. every year with um. It's this this great vibraphonist up here, and every year we just write a song that's in someone's house. And every year we just write a song and we and, and that is the song of the of the year <laughs> for that year and then right after that we lost uh Lawrence. Cool. So I was like, Oh man and I just developed the rest of the song because it really felt like I mean it felt like a, a prayer and for Lawrence and a call for him. You're from the Philly area and you know that the bars were never happened, it was the house parties that were happening. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Philly was weird, where either people couldn't afford to go out, or you just couldn't be yourself. Like it was just like you had to go downtown, you got to park, you got you know there was stuff. So everyone had house parties. I lived there for you know over fourteen years. They were the best times. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what I try to do through parties, and and have and that's the same spirit. Oh, that's the same spirit I wanted on the bandstand. You know, to, to that that house party element. You know, I mean, and also I grew up in Philly with some of the older musicians because uh, my uncle was in saxophone, and it was it was it was amazing the people I would see on like a random Sunday. You know what I mean? And, and my mom would say, "Hey, we're going over here." I'd go over there, and and, and Jimmy Heath would be at like one of because they were all musicians. You know, and I got to. I was I was a little kid, so you know, I just stayed in a kid's place. But to know that I was sitting next to Mister Heath and, and 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 so many others and Bootsy Barnes, but that's how the music was presented to me. It wasn't in an academic situation. Um, so that, and and that's what I that's what I like uh, portraying about the music with my band. It's still. You feel you're at a house party. You are accepted no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. And hopefully you'll learn something, but there might not be a textbook that goes along with what you learn. <laughs>
off minor is a is a uh, felonious monk song and i just was um listening to it you have something really cool with the bass separation uh there and each ear is a different like uh, uh bass doing its own thing i think that's pretty cool I mean, it's, it's it's really what it is. Is there's two bases, or are there three on there? Let me think about that. No, there's two, and they're inside a two are in each booth. So there's four bases all together. Two are in one booth, and two are in the other booth. And there were no rules. Everyone knew how the song went, and it's really fun hearing. You know, like you'll hear Eric Revis. And then you'll hear Lucas come in and you can, you can really hear everyone's distinctive voice. But at the same time, you hear the mutual and, and, and admiration that they all have for each other. And I, I don't want to say they started to play like each other, but they, they started to at least acknowledge the other person's contribution by the way they were playing. If that makes, you know, it's not, not a copycat or anything. It's just like I hear you, and I'm going to show you that I hear you. It's no different than what I say to my kids. I'm like, all right, I don't need you to. I just need to see that you understand me by the by your actions. I don't need to. I don't need to repeat to me what I said. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's great. I recommend anyone who's listening to that song to throw some headphones on because. I feel you can kind of really isolate the bass track. And, uh, it basically was giving me chills. You know, I was like, okay, I'm feeling the bass on both sides. And it was pretty awesome. It's like a... Um, oh, and shout, shout out to uh, Paul Stash from from the, the from Full Session label. Uh, he worked really close with an engineer that they've been working together, Chris. And uh, I, I have to say, the, 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 re- the sound of the record is something I really, really enjoy. And, and it, um, it honestly is not easy recording with me because that same kind of vibe that I have at party and keeping open, I also have that. Um, sorry, listen, let me check this one second. Sorry. Are you- that, that, that was good. I, I clicked and pressed the wrong button, but that was the phone call I was looking for. So now I'm headed there. So okay. thank you. Yeah. But anyway, you know, they to, to keep that same spirit and energy going in the uh, in the way that the album is recorded is not easy. And I really, really applaud um, Paul and them for getting that same energy flowing with me because I'll, I'll say, hey, let's change this. Uh, even what you're talking about. Try this out. And then we did it. What does the album mean? The intangible between. What does that mean to to you? Well, one, it's a line from the poem, uh, one of the poems in the, uh, in the, uh, on that tune, Tough Love. And when I read it, I was like, wow, you know, the intangible between I did that, why did I do that? You know, or the intangible between I did that and why didn't I do that? And, it really takes, and I'm still working on it, <laughs> it really takes a long time in, in life to, to figure out which one you should do. You know, so now during that moment, you know, think about being a young kid and it's like, I really like this girl. But if I tell her, 
Is this going to ruin everything, you know, when we do it out on the playground? You know, is she not going to like me, and then we're not going to be friends? You know, but that space in between, trying to figure out what to do, whether it's right, wrong, or just might make you feel weird if you need to tell somebody. If, if, if you're married and you're like, okay, I know my wife really likes that that shirt or whatever, but it doesn't look good on her. <laughs> so I have to sit here and figure out which one do I do. And that space, that intent, the intangible, the time, the space in between, deciding can be very long or very short, you know, but you have to make the right choice. And, and, and ironically, dealing with what we're dealing with right now, we're right smack dab in, 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 that, in the middle of that space. You know, what we're going through with COVID is putting us in that space. Like, what are we going to do? I've never, I've never been in a situation like this in my entire life where I haven't played piano, played for a live audience. And I don't know when I'm going to be able to play for a live audience again. Not on a computer, but like the same energy that I've always wanted and, and, and enjoyed by playing live. When am I going to get that? Like, when and where am I going to get that back? So right now, I live in a space, even, even, you know, musicians and what we should and shouldn't do. I live in a space of, oh, wait, <coughs> sorry. Do I play online concerts? Is that cool? No, that's not cool. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, do you do, do, you know, do you ask for donations? Sure. No, that's not cool. You know, I mean, did I, did I, was I, so you just, all, all those questions come to us every day. You know, do I want to, I've never, who, whatever, what musician, performing artist who has been Grammy nominated, you know, and maybe there's more, and I, I mean, but Grammy nominated and still flowing, you know, still flowing. I'm, I'm still working and touring. How many of us thought we would be applying for, possibly applying for unemployment? You know, so that space of what do you do and, and if you make the right choice, and and making sure you make the right choice is what the intangible between is about. And I hope, I know that was a long rant, but I hope it makes sense and connects the dots on it. And that's what they were saying. Like, they're they're saying that, uh, you know, the kids and the adults are, are saying that one piece, too, over and over. I, I well, I, I can't remember it now, but what, what were they saying? Like, should I do this or shouldn't I do that? Like, what is the the thing that they're saying at the beginning of the song and afterwards? So that's it. They're actually, they, they just actually read that the entire poem. It's a short poem and everybody's reading it, but the, it, and it's not chanted over and over, but it's read in a line in there is the intangible between I did that or why didn't I do that? You know, and, and, and think about it, even when you're in arguments, you know, which, with, with someone you love, it's like, why didn't I just say it? Okay, I didn't say it. All right, what am I going to do? Blah blah blah. You know, and that's that's the whole point. So uh, you got a great song with uh, Sean Jones. You you worked with him. Are you still working? You're such a busy man. Are you still working with him anymore? I'll be playing with Sean Jones until either of us can't play. One of us can't play anymore.
to admit, uh, I talked to Sean, you know, a couple times. He's a really, really cool guy. I'm glad he's in Baltimore. He's ours now. But when you guys, <laughs> you guys were at the Mid Atlantic Jazz Festival. He was the headliner, and he did um, a Dark Times. It's a, from the Improvisation album. Oh man, that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were so dense and so thick, and I and it was that. TDK moment where my if I had hair it would be blowed you know back you know it was so wild and I was thinking to myself while you guys were playing is like the the weird step between jazz and rock in, back in the 70s and 80s you'd go through people's album collections and they'd have Led Zeppelin but then they'd also have Miles and they'd have you know they they'd have Weather Report they had stuff and I'm like any rock fan at that moment. Uh, would hear you guys jam uh, Dark Times would would not walk away. I mean, they'd have to walk away and be devoted. It was such a good performance. And uh, I don't even know. If Thank you. That. Yeah. And I was like... I mean, I, I think that was a while ago. That Because we haven't played Dark Times in a long time. Yeah. He was like, you know, we were, he was talking about how tight that... I said, your band was so tight that you guys just looked at each other and said, we're doing this. And, you know, he said it's important to, um, you know, pay respects for your band. And he said the band, the, you're, you guys are, um, I think he told a story that your, your, uh, one of your family members died and you still came to the recording session and stuff. Yeah, it was, my, it was the day my father passed away. And, and that was his first record date. You know, you didn't even say anything to him? Nope. Not till after the record date. Wow. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys are still together. And and uh, are you in the Philly area, or did you go up to New York? I lived in New York third. Oh man, times of how long? Twenty two. I came back from Philly. Sorry, back from New York twenty two years ago now. And it's so funny. My wife and I are like, we'll just go back to Philly for like five years till the kids are older. We're moving back to New York. And um. We just never moved back. I, you know, I mean, I love New York, but I love the fact that I can go in and out of New York. I understand that. Yeah, uh, it, it gives you freedom and not freedom at the same time. The only thing about Philly is that uh, 76. I don't understand why a major highway, like for one of the top yep. uh, five cities of the world, would only be two lanes. gospel song that was written by Harry Dixon Lowe's in 1920. This is a hundred-year-old song to the state. And why did you put this on this album? Well, a, a years ago, I did an arrangement of that song for uh, the WDR Big Band in um, Germany. And when I did that tune, I, uh, I was like, man, I would love to put that. And, and, and it's so funny, I'm even... The reason I'm even talking slower because I'm like, I'm thinking about it. How in October, I never thought how connected this record would be to right now. You know, just 
everything we're going through with whether it's you know black lives matter or whether it's covid you know it's so interesting that all of these things I did in October, it's turning into something that's getting us through the present day. But I did that arrange for a, for a big for a big band in Germany, and then I just brought it in for my band for that record. That's what I was telling you earlier. I said this album is a sign of the times, and you didn't even plan it that way. I mean, it's it's addressing everything that's going on right now as we speak. Yep, yep, it is, it is. How's it going with uh, the Bad Plus? Is the honeymoon period over? Or are you feeling pretty good? You know what? Uh, the key after 21, going on, what is it? Oh, yeah, in August. Going on 21 years of marriage, I realized the honeymoon period, in order to, to get to 41, to 51, to 61, to 71, the honeymoon moon period should never be over. And um, and And I've... And I feel that with with the Bad Plus, I feel that with Captain Black Big Band, I feel that with, with organizations that I've been with for a while. Um, and, and the way to do that and keep that spirit going, in my opinion, is, 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 the, is allowing shit not to work out first. You know, and then, but but then deciding that no matter how much shit doesn't work out, excuse me, I know I'm on a podcast, that you're in it to win it. You know what I mean? And so that's no matter what, we're in it to win it. We have a scheduled talk today. We haven't talked in a while. We're still working, well, about a week. Still working on things, you know, musically and working on the next. We did the next two records so far. So I mean I'm all I, I'm excited every time we get a chance to play together, uh, and excited about the new challenges, excited about everything, and and, and looking forward to the honeymoon, never ending. Uh, I'm a big uh, Bad Plus fan. I thought they were really punk rock when they first came out. I'm gonna delete this part, so it's just between me and you. I, I was like, uh, I was using them as a guide to a lot of people, and I say, look, you don't really like jazz, you're gonna love the Bad Plus. They're doing they're doing covers of Karma Police. They're doing everyone wants to rule the world. I said they're they're kind of you know cutting edge and and just doing stuff differently. And um, then towards the end, I'm like, wait a minute, they're still doing covers. And <laughs> they didn't seem as cutting edge anymore. I think you you um, I saw them on tour for that last album before they switched hands. I think you really infused a lot of um, good you know Ubuntu into that group, and I think it swings a lot harder now. It's it feels like it, you've gave a, a nice in, infusion of of uh, maybe like a different take on it. I, I'm I think you should pat yourself on the back on that so far. I appreciate that, and and honestly, man, you know, I, first of all, let me say this: I love Ethan, and 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 I actually just talked to Ethan the other day, so let me put that out there before I say this. But you shouldn't delete that shit <laughs> if it's. It, I mean, and, and because that's your opinion, and you have a right to it, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I will sing the praises of Bad Plus forever, but I mean, the shit got boring after the uh, Joshua Redman album. I was like, I don't. I think they're running out of gas. I don't. I don't feel, you know, that I can, uh, you know, get excited about what they're doing. But now I can. And I'm I mean, right. honestly, man, think about it, though. I mean, 
20 years of a band, a jazz band, you know, a jazz band. That's, that's extremely important because that's different than, you know, we got Earth, Wind, and Fire, the Gap Band, OJ, okay. But even those bands over the years have changed. But think of something in jazz, 20 years. Uh, Joshua Redman Quartet, but he, you know, left and did other things. And all, other than the Bad Plus, the only band that I could think of that's been together is Bradford Marcellus's band. And and then there, there's been the change of uh, McBride. I'm sorry, whoop, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> it's been the change of, of Robert Hurd. And then there's also been the change of, of James. And then when Kenny Kirkland died, but, but that band has been a band for years, you know, more than 20, you know what I mean? So, but that's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. And that's actually not a band per se, because it's still led by, by Pepper Marcella. So thinking of a co-led band for 20 years, I can see how after a while, you, you know, you do run out of steam and, and being a part of the band, I can say it, we work hard. We work hard. We work hard. We tour hard. So it's easy to run out of steam, and it's not always easy to find new places for inspiration. And and I, I think if anything, that that may be not only really maybe that is one of the things I've brought to the band. Just a different source of inspiration. I'm a big fan of them. I'm never going to discount them for what they've done. I think they're fantastic. I'm never going to down them. I just that, you know, when you have a body of work for 20 years, you can pick out the duds, you know, um, it, it happens. So I got two more questions for you, I think, and I'm going to let you go. You're, judge, you're juggling so many projects right now. And if you looked at your life 15 years ago, when I saw you upstairs at, uh, you know, World Cafe Live, would you ever believe that you would have been able to be chugging along at this success? Um, I was successful then. <laughs> you, you really were. I, and, yeah, you were. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and I was I was doing. I mean, I'll be blatantly honest. I was doing World Cafe as a favor to them that they didn't realize was a favor, and then I had to leave. You know, I, the 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 people I brought in here when I was playing World Cafe upstairs for a freaking door gig, I brought Craig Handy, Eric Revis, Jeff Tane Watts, Gene Jackson, the list of, can go on of, of just people that I brought through there. But they never really understood it. And, and then after a while, and I enjoyed it, but playing it, but they never understood it. And we couldn't come to a, you know, understanding where, hey, I'm, I'm here every Monday bringing you something because I live in this city and I'm giving back to the city. So at that time, to answer your question, what I will say is I don't, I don't think I thought at that time the Captain Black Big Band would be Grammy nominated. But the amount of work that I put in at that time is, is along with the record label is why we, we are now. Uh, but I knew that I was never going to do anything else at that point, which is the same thing I know now. I'm never going to do anything else. Once we get, and I don't mean that in a negative way. This is what I love. This is what I do. And I've been committed to it for a very long time. And no matter whether I play World Cafe Live or, or Ruben's Market Small Bar in, in, in Mount Airy or, or, you know, 
Quasimodo in, in Germany, whether wherever I play, uh, the fact that I'm playing music for people and that is my life and my career already already screams success. So at that point, when you saw me at World Cafe, I was just waiting for what was next. And that's what I'm doing right now. Brian Evans, that was one of those questions that, that circles back. I already knew you were a superstar. That's why I was like, he's a superstar. He's on the <laughs> first floor. What the hell is he doing in there? I'm like, I, and I said, I can get to look at him. I already had your albums. I knew you were a big deal. But the the, the that question was only supposed to circle back to the first question and, and the whole interview. Well, I'm yeah. glad you asked because yeah. it gave me a chance to be a complete asshole. No, no, I no, 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 that's it. cool. I 100% <laughs> believe you. I had a whole bunch of your albums. It's just a matter of like, I, I understand, I, you know, working with uh, the World Cafe Live had no clue as to what they were doing at that time. They really didn't know who they had. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were, you know, they knew that they needed to make money and stay afloat. So you came in at a time that you just had a little too much class for, for what they were, what they were able to handle. I but, hope that's the case all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other part is the the last question that I really have is that you're an independent guy. You've done all this, you know, as an independent artist, more or less. Um, has the jazz scene changed in the last, you know, twenty plus years? Uh, are are you feel that you're in better position because you already have those those uh, skills already to get your your work out and continue? I just kind of doing an overview of what an independent jazz artist has to do, I guess. I mean, I guess that the independent jazz artist doesn't have to do anything different than independent contractor or anyone self-employed. There's plenty of people out there, a, a mixologist or a bartender or a dancer. Basically, you just have to be committed to your craft and 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 recognize that there are no other options. You know, this is the one thing. There is no, ooh, hell. There are no other options. Like, I'm sorry, I just ran over something that was disgusting in the road. But anyway, um, <laughs> just knowing there are no other options. And that's what I'm going to play music. And I know it's rough right now. Just, it was, I could do one or two gigs to get by. I could, I could if, if gigs were slow, I knew I would have one at one point. And and to go through what we're going through right now, I honestly, I can honestly say I have no idea whether I would have survived this at 24. 24, I had two kids and a wife. So, and I, I mean, I still have that. But <laughs> at 24, I had two kids and a wife. Yeah. And that was hard. You know what I mean? And and I was, and we had bought a house when I was whatever, 25 or whatever. So, I don't know what I would have done if this happened 20 years ago, but it happened now. And, and even now, to be honest, if I got to do something else, I got to get in the car and Uber, I will. That, that, that's the hustle. But the hustle is always to get back to what my career is. And, and that's so whether it's the Captain Black Big Man, whether it's the Bad Plus, whether whatever it is, it's all a hustle. And everyone needs to get their hustle game up and not be ashamed of the hustle. Point blank. I agree. Uh, 
just just one thought. Wouldn't it be great if all the major cities had uh, painted Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, down the street like they did in D.C.? I think that's the, the coolest thing I've seen through this whole thing. That, that's the best thing. And now he's got he's to look at it all the time. Great. You know, it, it, it's weird how villainified Black Lives Matter was by the, the um, conservative world. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick was considered like a enemy number one. And and just the people just are like, we're not taking that anymore. It's just not, it's not acceptable. I, I love this, this shift. It's unfortunate yep. that it had to go, you know, take three or four years for it to happen. But, come right. on. Come on. All right, we're, we're yep. move forward, please. But, I, I change, change comes in time. Yeah, and it's good when you see the face of evil running your country, and you're like, "Do you want that?" I guess that's your the beginning of the name of this album. Do you want to continue with it, or do you want to yeah. go away? This is the this is the movement. This is the time right now. This is we're definitely in the intangible between, without a doubt. There you go. That's the so ending, that's the ending of this uh, interview. <laughs> <laughs> you did so it. make the right choice, and that's the ending. Make the right choice. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, All right, man. It, it was really great talking to you after, you know, 15, 16 years. I've been a fan forever. So, continue. Thank you, man. I just want to say, uh, Orrin Evans, thank you for uh, chatting with me today on Something Came from Baltimore. Great being here. Hi, it's Tom Galker, and I am the host of Something Came From Baltimore. Something Came From Baltimore is a words and music podcast, and it has famous and future famous artists. Artists like Sean Jones, Rupert Holmes, Nancy Hammy, Joey DeFrancesco, Go-Go Penguin, Joey Alexander, Bucanti, Gerald Albright, Paula Cole, and Kat Edmondson. It's music that matters. It's music for your ears. Listen and subscribe to Something Came From Baltimore and be a part of that Be More music scene.